0: At one point, the New York Museum of Natural History uh, once arranged a room, and they arranged the room to make it look like when you, when you walked into the room that you were looking at the room from the perspective of a canine, of a dog. <laughs> so you walk into this room, and you have the perspective of, of this animal, the, the legs On the tables were made to resemble these huge, massive pillars. Uh, The chairs looked like they were these lofty thrones. And the mantle above the fireplace appeared as an unscalable high overhead precipice. Sometimes we can look at life like that, can't we? where all of our surroundings look what? Too big. We can't handle it. It doesn't seem right. So they asked the question, what was the reality? What was the reality? Is the reality of a room how a dog sees it, or is the reality of a room how we see it? And if there are two different perspectives there... Is there another one that you and I need to look at? God's perspective on everything that is happening in our lives. Perspective changes things, doesn't it? Perspective can either hinder us in, in our life or it can actually motivate us to move forward, can it? Perspective uh, can be a hopeful perspective or it could be a pessimistic and a very, very fatalistic or dismal perspective. Perspective, what we, how we view the short term and how we view uh, the reality that you and I are facing every day has an effect on how we view the long term too. And what we view in the long term has an effect on the short term as well. It's all tied together. Today, we're going to be looking at a bunch of differing perspectives. And I I truly, truly hope that you and I can walk out of here with the one that God wants us to have. Three components that I see here that we're going to be looking at. The first one The right conditions. So all of these are kind of little perspectives within this grander perspective. Uh, The first one, the right conditions, verses 1 through 16 in John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, "'Let us go to Judea again.' The disciples said to him, "'Rabbi, the Jews were now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again?' Jesus answered, "Are they not twelve hours in a day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble.'" because he sees the light of this world but if anyone walks in the night he stumbles because the light is not in him this he said and after that he said to his he said to them our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep the disciples said to him lord if he's fallen asleep he will recover jesus had spoken of his death but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. I'm not sure if I've if if mentioned this before, but I like fly fishing. Has I, have I said that before? So you guys all know that I, I like fly fishing. And, and we're getting near the time. Matter of fact, opening day, April 1st. And but there's a lot of reasons I like fly fishing. And if you were to ask me what are the best conditions for me to go fly fishing, I would tell you no clouds, the sun is out and it's nice and warm. Definitely no rain and absolutely no wind. Uh, I absolutely despise wind. Especially as a fly fisherman, because you're you're trying to cast and the wind's blowing and your line's getting tangled, and you hook yourself, uh, it just makes for one big mess and i, I love I love catching fish and, and and that's the main reason I go, but I also enjoy just going on a nice sunny day and and, and getting away from everything and being out in nature. The birds are chirping, the sun is shining. Uh, everything is absolutely just perfect. but you know what it, there are some conditions that are actually better for fishing than others. I'm sure you can realize that. And uh, even though I hate rain, I hate the wind, I hate the overcast, I hate all of those things. As a matter of fact, I despise them. It is those conditions that actually make for better fishing, especially when you're fishing for one fish. It's called the pike. I'm not sure if any of you have seen pike before. Um, And I'll tell you a story. Kevin and I were once fishing for Pike and it was during April. We always go in April. We're going to go this April as well. And the conditions were absolutely miserable. It was overcast. It was raining out. There was a bit of wind and it was very, very, very cold. And what was I doing? I was complaining. And I was whining, oh, I just want to go home. This is absolutely terrible. I hate it here. Can't, we're not going to catch anything. This is miserable. And I kid you not, as I was saying those words, this happened. Now, if you think that I used this illustration so that I could show a picture of this fish, you are absolutely correct. But it is it, this, this was one of the biggest fish that I've ever caught in my life, this thing come, hits my fly, I start reeling this thing in, we, I didn't get a measurement, we were just, I was beside myself, and like I said, I had, of course I'm smiling now, little baby Mark is all happy, uh, everything, the world is in perfect order, but I was literally, we were, I was really trying to convince Kevin, I, I just want to go home. A, a lot of us are sunny day Christians, I'm one of them, I'm one of them. How do we like things in our life? Sunny. No wind. No rain. And no cold. But what we see here is that it is in the, some of the worst conditions in our life. Pain, suffering, sickness, grief, and sadness where God does some of his greatest work of all time. Notice how John begins this section. A certain man is sick. Bad condition, isn't it? I want to point something out here. This is radically different from the other sections where a man is introduced that is sick. Because right after this, he gives this man a name. And John is trying to tell us something. Because he not only names him, he names his two sisters... Mary, and Martha. And in this transition period, so this at this miracle, Jesus is transitioning from his public ministry to his private ministry with his disciples. And in this section, John is trying to let his disciples know something, as well as those who do not believe, but his disciples. Because Lazarus Mary and Martha are all in a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're his friends. Mary and Martha do not presume upon Jesus when they call upon him. And they say, the one whom you love is sick. Very, very different from those other miracles that we've seen. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are all in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And naturally, what do they do? Hey, can you help us? It's it's a pre-resurrection, pre-ascension, earthly prayer request, isn't it? One of the first things that you and I are to do is to do what? Is Go to Jesus. Go to him with those problems. Hey, we have a problem here, Lord. Lord, this doesn't look good. He's really sick, Lord. Do you think you can maybe intervene? Lord, we we need you. We we know what you're capable of doing, Lord. Lord, the one whom you love and the one who loves you. He's sick. Can you Do you think you can help us out? Please do something. Intervene, Lord. I want you to see something that is crucial to this. Why does Jesus stay? And we have to connect these two things together. This is how it reads. John makes it an emphatic point. Now, Jesus loved Mary. Martha, Lazarus, all three of them. So what does he do? He waits. Jesus says something earlier, and I want you to put this in your back pocket, because we're going to look at it again. He says, this sickness does not lead to death. Take that, put it in your back pocket, and we're going to bring that out later on. But notice, Jesus actually allows the problem to get worse. Lazarus dies. He dies. And from our perspective, this is absolutely terrible, and it is. But we see that it's not because he doesn't love them. It's actually because he does love them. He allows something to get worse in the lives of his friends, because he loves them. That is something that kind of blows our mind, doesn't it? That is not how we typically view life. Lord, can't you help us? And he doesn't help, he doesn't intervene, but he actually allows the tr- a tragedy to happen. Lazarus dies. Do you, do you think they're... they're They're not there, like, waiting and saying, where is he? I know he got the word by now. He should be here. Where are you, Lord? His answer was wait. and his answer was allow things to get worse. And we see the two reasons why they do so go go back again I'm sorry to the to the wait wait part. We see that sometimes our perspective with his timing is just different, isn't it? Because there's a time where he waits and then there's a time that he says let's go forward. So he waits two days, and then he says to his disciples, now it's time to move. And now his disciples are like, hey, what are you doing? You're crazy. These guys want to kill you. And he he says to them, and it's really, really important to see that he, he is driven by God's will for his life. And the same thing needs to be for you and me. There's a time where God's going to tell us, hey, you need to wait. And there's a time where God's going to actually allow circumstances to come into our life that is just going to bring more confusion and pain. And he's not going to answer our prayers the way that we think that he should. And there's a time that he intervenes and moves forward. And he intervenes and moves forward even despite the consequences. These guys are worried about what? Dying. And he says, look, I'm here for a limited amount of time. And during that time, I'm going to do the work of the Father. And the same goes for us. You and I are here for a limited amount of time. And during that time, you and I are to move forward and do what God calls us to do no matter what the consequences are. But we see the two reasons why he does this. Why does he allow these conditions into their lives? Into the lives of those that he loves and those that love him? Two reasons, for his glory and for our faith. And he does it in some of the toughest, most tragic moments of our life. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified. And then what does he say to his disciples later on? Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there for your sake. Why? So that you may believe. Don't they already believe? Yeah. What's he doing? He's deepening their faith in him. So that you can see who I truly am. So that you can know me and know my power and understand that when I am with you, everything is going to change. Two reasons. The conditions are perfect. We don't always see it like that. Second component is the right question. Verses 17 through 37. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, would not have died. Even now, I know, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here. He's calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. The Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, When they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled, and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The Jews were saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? Guy tells a story. Now, uh, being in the hospital uh, when his his mother was dying, he said that he he made a special request to God. He prayed to God fifty times. Said he counted fifty times. I asked God to grant my request. He said, I did this because I had studied the the teaching of Jesus on prayer. Jesus admires someone who knocks continuously, doesn't give up, perseveres in prayer. I, I figured if I kept knocking, if I kept asking, he would eventually rise from his throne and fix my problem and heal my mother. He said, I asked two requests. The first one was my desired request. The second one was more of a concession. One was for healing, and one was just to take her out of her pain. But he said, I, I wanted her to be healed. I asked for 18 more years. I prayed 50 times, asking for 18 more years. I asked for 18 more years for two reasons, he said, because my mother was 62. 18 more years would make her 80, and I thought that was a, a good round number, but more specifically, my oldest brother had just had a baby girl. I thought it would be absolutely wonderful for my mother to see her graduate from high school. And also, I read the story of Hezekiah. It's been done before. Hezekiah was weeping in his tears and God heard his prayer and he gave him 15 more years. I asked for 18. He said, God didn't give me 18 more years. He didn't give me 18 more months. He didn't even give me 18 more days. Within 18 hours, my mother passed away. There's a phrase uh, repeated two times, almost the exact same phrase, and then one time it's, a, it's an allusion to the same idea. Uh, one time by Martha, one time uh, by Mary, and then another time by the crowds. Lord! Lord! Where were you? You're too late, Lord. If only you had been there, Lord. I thought we were friends, Lord. Why did you allow this to happen, Lord? Lord, if only you had stopped that drunk guy from getting in the car. Lord, if only you had Guided the doctors differently, and they could have diagnosed the problem of my mother correctly, I'd still have her with me. Lord, didn't you hear my request? Why? If only you had been here, Lord my brother would not have died. Lord, why did you allow this to happen? I don't understand, Lord. I'm confused, Lord. I want you to see that there's a difference uh, between what Mary says, what Martha says, and then what Mary says, and then what the onlookers say. Martha and Mary's response is a response of confusion. It's a response of grief, but it's a response of faith. Who are they going to? How are they addressing him? Lord. Lord, I know you could have done something. And, and even Martha's response is even now, Lord, I don't know what you can do, but I know you can do something because of who you are. It's a response of faith in the midst of confusion, anger, and grief. The other response is the onlookers. And they say those things about Christians when they go through tragedy, don't they? This is your God? This is the God who you said is a God of miracles, is a God of healing, is a God of compassion? Where was he? Couldn't he have done something there? Why would he allow that to happen? He's not powerful. He doesn't care. He doesn't love them. Could not this man who... Healed the blind? Saved this man from dying? He's no Lord. Why would he allow such a tragedy to happen? If only you had been here. It's a phrase that's echoed throughout history, isn't it? Where were you? Why couldn't you have done something? Let me ask you something. Where is he in this story? He's there, isn't he? He's right there. The God of all eternity, God Almighty, is in the flesh talking to Mary and Martha. And it's because he's there, and it's because he's going to be where Lazarus is, that he changes everything. He's right there. Grieving with them. Weeping with them, angered with them at death, he's right there. Right there. And it's because he's there, he can ask that question. Notice what he does with Martha. Believing in Jesus is more than a present healing. It's a present and future resurrection. He changes her belief from a belief in a future dogma to a belief in a present person. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And everyone who dies will live forever. Do you believe this? Because if you believe this, if you believe this truth, it changes the way that you are going to look at every single pain and suffering and trial that you will face for here on out. Do you believe this? That's the question. Notice what she says. Notice what her answer is. Do you think I, I don't think John went and talked to Martha and said, "Hey, when you answer this question, just make sure you get these two points in here." Because this is what the whole book is about, isn't it? How does she does she answer exactly what John wants us to believe? "Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ and the Son of God." Two things And then there's a third, there's a third that actually she says, I believe you're here with me. That you are the one who came into this world, who came into the pain, who came into the sorrow, who came into the suffering, who came into death, and who conquered it. That's what she believes. And that belief That perspective changes the way you and I view everything. Because he's there, we know that he knows and understands our grief and our pain. It is the shortest verse in the Bible, but it should bring us eternal comfort. Jesus wept. He understood. It says that his spirit was deeply troubled. It almost means that he kind of snorted. Why? Because he's just as angry as ang- at a- he's just as anger angered at death as we are. He hates it. And because he's there, crying and weeping, at this moment, we know that he can be here with us. because Jesus is weeping at this point in time in history that all of our tears will one day be wiped away. It's Because he's there angered at death that he does something about it. Lazarus is his friend. Mary and Martha are his friends. And we're going to see what Jesus does for his friends. Brings us to the third and final component of this. The right conclusion. Verses 38 through 46. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against this. Jesus said, "Remove the stone." Martha, the sister of the sea, said to him, "Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days." Jesus said to her, "Did I not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of God?" So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. You have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! The man who died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Therefore many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Jesus issues three commands. Two to the onlookers. Uh, one to Lazarus himself, supplemented uh, by a prayer that he wants all of us to hear. Mary is concerned about protocol. Uh, and it's, it's important that we know that Lazarus was dead. He, 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 didn't, he wasn't resuscitated. Lazarus was resurrected. And what Jesus is saying here, what Jesus does here, what he says here, is not... Just for Lazarus, it's for all of us who are his friends. The first command is to remove the stone. Well you just love that. Get that stone out of the way. You don't need that stone anymore. That stone was temporary. That stone is not needed for my friends. That stone can just be put aside. It is no longer needed, folks. What a perspective that you and I are to have in life. Because we look, we go by, we drive by those graveyards, don't we? We're like, ah, we see those headstones. Uh uh. You don't need those in your mind. And if your loved ones are buried there and they were friends with Jesus, guess what? Get that stone out of the way. They're not there. That stone is not needed ever 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 again remove the stone the second command is is the big one it's the one he gives to Lazarus it's an interesting command he he, he shouts it and it's a command that every single one of us will obey And notice what Jesus is doing here. Notice what John is doing here. Where does this miracle take place? This is his final miracle. His concluding miracle is the resurrection of his friend. What do you think he's trying to tell us? Folks, it's not just Lazarus this is for. This is for every single one of the friends of Jesus Christ This is for all of those whom Jesus loves. Fill in the blank. Put your name right there. Ian, come forth. Dan, come forth. Kate, come forth. Brian, come forth. Mark, come forth. Patrick, come forth. Hannah, come forth. Scott, come forth. All of you. Death. Has to obey the voice of Jesus Christ. Because one day he's going to come down with another shout, isn't he? And that's what's going to happen. All of us are going to come forth. And we hear his voice here and now. And the life that he gives us is a present life, it is a spiritual resurrection and it is a physical resurrection. Come forth. And you will live. You can put your name right there. You can put all your loved ones' names there that have believed in him, have trusted in him. It's a promise for all of us because he, he prays. And what he says, why does he say that? Was it for God to hear? It wasn't. It's for us to hear. For you and I to hear, he says, I I say this, Lord, so that they know that you sent me and that they know and understand that this is the reason why you sent me, so that I can give life, so that they know that death does not have a hold over people who believe in me. That's what he's saying. Absolutely nothing you and I face can hold us down. This is the end result right here. This is it. This is the end of our story. Actually, the beginning, isn't it? This is it. What do we have to fear? What do we have to worry Jesus is not just about a temporal, physical healing. He's about an eternal healing. He's not just about a spiritual resurrection. He's about a physical one too, isn't he? His final miracle is one that is going to happen for each and every single one of us. Out here. That's something to hold on to. And it's because of what we're about to celebrate. It's because there was another empty tomb after this one, isn't there? There were other bindings that were found with nobody in them. Take off the grave clothes. You're not bound to death anymore. Get rid of them. You don't need them anymore. That's part of the old life. Even death has to obey the voice of Jesus. And Jesus gives you and I a different set of clothes, doesn't he? Gives us the clothes of his righteousness. And when you're wearing those clothes, those grazed clothes won't hold you anymore. Don't let those bindings shape your life. Notice what the response is. Many saw what he did and believed in him. Folks, Jesus' friends must view all of life with the Lazarus perspective. As I was writing this sermon, I got a call The, uh, the principal of Greater Portland Christian School had a heart attack and died. John Bishop. It's tragic. It was sudden. It was unexpected. I'd just spoken with him uh, the week before. I would go, went home, and told my uh, wife and and daughter, "Just uh, what a great man he 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 is! He is a great leader." I talked to him before about how he was handling the the pandemic and all that stuff, and uh, he was well balanced. He was compassionate. uh, He had a great relationship with the teachers. He had a great relationship with the kids. Good relationship with my daughter. Uh, And I know, I I know, and I, I knew him somewhat, and there are other people that knew him really well. I know people are asking, why? Why, Lord? How do we view an event like this? Right here. It's how we view it. Because John Bishop had a friend His name was Jesus Christ. And John Bishop is more alive now than he ever has been. Because he placed his faith not in a dogma, not in a church, not in a doctrine, but in a person who has the power over life and death. That's how we view it. And we know that John Bishop will one day hear his name called forth and his body will join him in heaven for all eternity. That's how we view it. We view life through this perspective, knowing sometimes we don't understand. It doesn't make sense. But Lord, we know you're doing something greater, that it's for your glory and for our faith. And Lord, we know that you understand our pain. We know you understand our grief because you stepped right into it. And you took it upon yourself. And it's because of that truth, Lord, that we believe in you, that we can look At this life, through this perspective, knowing that it doesn't end in a closed tomb, but an empty grave. That's the Lazarus perspective. Do you believe this? Because if you do, you're never looking at anything the same again. Father, we praise you for the work that you've done through your Son, Jesus Christ. Our words are futile, Father. And Lord, we know sometimes... These tragedies come into our life and we we just don't understand, but we, we know, Lord, that you love us. You do what's best for us and for your glory. Lord, help us to face every day looking at life in light of this passage, in light of this truth, knowing that one day All of this will be done. All our pain. All our suffering. All because Jesus entered right into it. We thank you that he was here. And we thank you one day will be there. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask as you...